one. Welcome in, Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There is Steven. Getting a little early evening snack here as we as we start to settle down from a from a pretty uneventful signing day. We're, this Husker Extra Podcast is brought to you by Tom's Tom Densdale Hyundai of Grand Isle. We thank them for their sponsorship. And it was it was a uh, a pretty low key signing day. Everybody had their letters faxed in what by what 10 a.m. this morning. 10 a.m. Yep. 10 a.m. Um, we had a little press conference with with Scott Frost here at three o'clock this afternoon. We've got a bunch of stuff written, and now there's nothing else going on except for a game on Friday. So yes, yes, yes. Do you ever settle down? Never. Like a spider monkey. That's why he's a spider. Remember <laughs> when you used to call him Spider? Yeah, yeah, because like he came I, at me like a spider one time. He was all over the place. When I first <laughs> got wow. here, like you didn't even call him Chris. You just called him Spider. Spidey. Parker left almost immediately when he saw what you were calling me, like on a daily basis. He didn't even know my name for like the first week he was here. <laughs> What's his name? Moto? 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 Moto Spider? Yeah, Moto now. Bazzy Moto. Bazzy Moto. That's good. That's fine. All right, let's talk football. And then, talk football? then oops. Signing day today. Nebraska signs uh, 21 guys, 19 guys. Yep. Um, 19. 19. 19 scholarship players. A lot of size, a lot of length. Um, obviously, there's some guys that have gotten a lot of the pub. Over the last few months, Thomas Fedoni being the kind of the main one there. Some local flavor with guys like Teddy Prohaska, Kobe Bretz. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys, and I guess just kind of your overall thoughts on this class, kind of kind of holding together through the pandemic, and Nebraska being able to get all these guys signed today. Parker, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's it was sort of a workmanlike uh, day. You know, 19, 19 guys, nineteen signatures. It's actually really twenty. Uh, Chris Kolarovic, the graduate transfer linebacker from Northern Iowa, is committed and he'll be here in January. Um, so he's really part of that group. It's just the paperwork for graduate transfers is different. So they're not allowed to talk about him um, because he hasn't signed a Big Ten tender, but he doesn't have to do that in order to be a graduate transfer at Nebraska. So anyways, of the 19 high school guys they signed, um, you have to like how the group sort of aligned with what Nebraska needs on its current roster. Um, you know, you got three wide receivers, all of whom are, are 6'2 or taller. Um, you've got a running back who's built like an every down running back. Uh, three tight ends coming into a group. Uh, two of them that are going to be on campus early uh, coming into a group that has, you know, a senior who may or may not be back. And then uh, three juniors after that. So it's, um, it's, it's, I think it aligns well with the needs. There's still some room to maneuver, which is going to be really interesting over the next few weeks. Uh, Nebraska has five spots left in its class. They could maybe fill up to three of those, like with players that you could name off the top of your head, rather than like going out and trying to identify, you know, who, who, who can we find who maybe we missed earlier in the cycle, right? The, we can talk more about this, but the three obvious names out there are Avante Dickerson from Omaha West Side, who didn't sign with Minnesota today and hasn't mm-hmm. seemingly formally made the decision to go there. Um, Nebraska's been working on him. Um, Tia Savea, who's a defensive lineman from Las Vegas, who actually may or may not sign in this early signing period, might push it off. And then uh, Wyndon Hohuli from, from Hawaii is a linebacker. 
um, who they really like. They've recruited for a long time. He's going to announce his choice in January. So there's three guys right there that would basically, you know, that, that might be sort of like the ideal situation that would take the group to 23, give you two spots to go uh, into, you know, into the off season with to use in the transfer market overall, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of guys who you've got a little bit, you've got some star power in the class with Thomas Fedoni uh, in particular. Um, and then you've got a lot of guys who um, they're really high on and they're really confident in the, in their evaluations of, even if they're not the most, um, you know, decorated or highly ranked players. So some people listen to that and they're like, well, that's just positive spin, but especially this year, um, evaluation is always critical, but it will be in particular this year because you just, you know, the recruiting services didn't see the players as much as they would have normally, just like coaches didn't see the players as much as they would have normally. So a guy like Kamante Grimes could be one of the lowest rated commits. If you look at the recruiting sites in Nebraska's class, and yet he earned an invitation to the all American Bowl. Um, you know, he's only one of two or three guys in the class to be invited to a game like that. He's a six foot two wide receiver from Southern Florida, uh, golf side, not Atlantic side. Um, but he's a guy who you look at the recruiting services and, and he looks like one of the lowest rated guys in the class. You look at where, what he's been invited to and what the staff thinks of him, And they might say he's one of the better prospects uh, in the group. So it's, um, it's a really interesting group at the tail end of what was obviously a really weird weird year in, in college football recruiting. How often is Nebraska going to be able to land a four-star or a five-star receiver from the southeast part of the U.S.? How often? Yeah, not, not, not very. Not. Right. So now they have to go out and identify guys like Kamane Grimes, like you mentioned, and Sean Hardy from Kingsland, Georgia. Man, Hardy has connections in Omaha, yep. right, Parker? Yep. And he – Yes, Stephen. Uh, Parker, you kind of sound like Judge Smales from Caddyshack when you said that. Oh, Parker. Right, Parker. Oh, it did sound weird. I'll, get, I'll grant you that. Uh, but those receivers all on video, I mean, I really like Hardy. Hardy's a – he's – I don't know why – what keeps a guy like that a three-star. That's why I don't quite understand because, I mean, you see the highlight videos, that's it. But man, I mean, he's, he, I don't know if maybe it's the lack of top end speed, but he's, he's a physical player, but he's a, he's very graceful at the same time. Um, has great hands, gets separation. Obviously, just no, he just, he's a football player from Georgia and he, he looks like a football player from the state of Georgia. So the, I, I don't know. Gabe Irvin's the same way. I mean, I don't know what keeps a guy like that only a three star. I'd have to see him all the time, but. He's got he's got good size. He'll he'll look good in Nebraska's running back room. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting about this group and, and simple, you know, Hardy's a good a good um, a, a good example of this is that it, it's a regional group, and then the guys that aren't from the region, they really worked hard on, and in some cases, the kids worked really hard early in the process. I mean, so yeah. out of nineteen, nine of the kids are from. Uh, Nebraska are bordering states, five from Nebraska, three from Iowa, and uh, and Randolph Kapai, or Randy, as Scott called him today, which is definitely what I'm calling him from now on. Yeah, I love that uh, name, Randy Kapai. Yeah, from from uh, from South Dakota. So outside of that, the 10 other guys in the class, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of little connections like Sean Hardy's got family in Omaha and actually his high school coach told me uh, over the summer that uh, Sean and his parents were able to travel around the country before the pandemic hit saw a lot of schools including Nebraska um, Raquan Buckley the defensive lineman from Michigan made it to a junior day in January uh, Branson Yeager the offensive lineman from Utah has never been to campus in Lincoln but his family has a cabin or some land or some relatives or something in Kansas um, you know only a couple hours from here sort of in the Lawrence area I think and they go there every year he loves it there so there's all these sort of like there's mm-hmm. little connections here and there now there are some that are pretty much blind dates I mean you know that there are guys in the class like um, Makai Bayer, the, the outside linebacker or the linebacker, excuse me, from New Jersey has right. been to campus. Uh, Mike Dawson's recruited that school in the past, but okay. obviously Dawson just got rehired um, at the outset of the pandemic. So they haven't been to his school. I don't think even at least in a long time. So anyways, there's definitely some guys in the class that are like that, where you just have to kind of go with it. Um, but even like Latrell Neville, another one of the wide receivers, what did Frost say today? A couple of the guys who he coached at Oregon uh, that are from the Houston area know Neville and they sort of like all got to know each other, you know, through those connections. So there's always a lot of that in recruiting, but it seems like there's more of it this year um, because obviously nobody's been able to visit a campus uh, and at least, you know, see the coaches and, and tour facilities and all that for a long time. Bass. Bass, turn on video of Makai Gabayer. Is that how is that how you pronounce it? Bayer. Excuse me? Bayer. Makai Bayer, watch him cover kickoffs. They, yeah. they have video of him covering kickoffs, and he, I mean, he's a terror. He's, I can use a few of those dudes. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. He's very physical. I mean, he really catches your eye. I can see why Barrett liked him on on kickoff. They show him on kickoff coverage. Just yeah, how many guys just, have kickoff coverage highlights on their on their highlights? exactly? And he's just and he is running through people to get to guys. It's like it's you really, running to the, he's like you running back to get a snack out of the fridge. Yeah, he, don't man. get in my way. Yeah, don't get don't get in my way. What did Wyatt, Wyatt Lever said the other day was sort of interesting that Frost always says the the two nothing will tell more about who you are as a football player than the way you run down on kickoffs and the way you block for your teammates. So, yep. There, there you go. go. Um, yeah. It's a Baz. You, you wrote about the tight end group um, over the weekend. And then today you wrote about sort of just the size overall of the skill positions. So I'm interested as you've talked to people and then, and then in writing today, that's a group. I mean, all three receivers are six two or better, and all three tight ends are really big kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's and a few people were kind of laughing on it, uh, laughing about it on on Twitter today about how Scott Frost using the word twitchy to to no, talk about some of these athletes, and it, you kind of joke, but that's that's what it is, right? You've got if you if you count the three tight ends, if you count the three wide receivers, that's six guys that are that are pretty twitchy athletes, but are pretty big too you know and obviously you look at the tight ends and Thomas Fedone 6'5 220 you know James Carney 6'5 220 runs a 4'6 40 AJ Rollins 6'6 230 and was looking at playing college basketball uh before the summer before his senior year 
you know, James Carney's run the 100-yard dash, the 200-yard dash, the 400-meter dash in high school at, at that size at 6'5", 220. And, and you guys have talked about the receivers already, just what kind of athletes they are. Again, great track athletes, basketball players. These, these guys are athletes. That's, that's what they are. And, and, yeah, you need guys that are, that are good football players, of course. You have to have that. And there's a difference between a, a, an athlete that's a football player and a football player that happens to be a good athlete. But Nebraska's got some athletes uh, uh, that they can deploy on the outside, whether that's next year or a couple years down the road or whatever. And what's one thing that we've talked about ad nauseum this year? It's the lack of outside threats, the la- lack of ability to, to go down the field in the passing game or win a 50-50 ball or, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And you can tell that was an emphasis uh, for this coaching staff. And it was an emphasis on the offensive line with the size of the guys they brought in there. It's the, an emphasis at receiver, at quarterback, at running back. This And Scott Price said today, we needed to get bigger uh, to compete in the Big Ten. And, and, yeah, when you think of that, you maybe think of offensive line. But look at the look at those guys that are the pass catchers. And, and look at the the guy that could potentially be thrown to him in a couple of years, uh, Henrik Harburg being 6'5", 200 pounds. So there's there's a lot more size coming. Um, how that equates to the, to the next level, we'll see. But the rest is going to be in a position where they're not trotting out a bunch of guys that are 5'10", 5'11", ah, 6 foot, you know. And, and they're <laughs> and there's a place for those. Wondell Robinson is a great player. Uh, yeah, there's and, no doubt about it. But And, and Scott Fry said that the, if there's a special athlete that's maybe not a big guy, we'll take him. But Nebraska needed big guys on the yeah. outside. And, and, yeah, it was to catch – to catch passes, but you got to be able to block on the edge and block downfield in the running game and all those other things. And you do that by getting guys that are big and long and rangy and, yep. and twitchy and, and have size and have frames that are projectable a couple years down the road. Hey, question, mental exercise for you guys, test you as sports writers a little bit. What is your definition of twitchy? What is What does he mean by twitchy? It means, uh, it means that you kind of start going like this if you drink too much coffee. <laughs> Parker, I want a real answer. No, no it's, it's just, a, go go ahead, Baz. I was gonna say, I'm probably gonna say the same thing you are. It's just it's just guys that ha- I think have have good reflexes uh, are able to react quickly. You know, uh, when you see, you know, I don't think it's, it's hard to put into words, but when you see a guy jump and you go, "Whoa, that guy can jump!" I you know, Quick I think jumpers, kind of, yeah, a jumper, a guy that's twitchy and can just kind of do those things that that you can tell set him up. Part. There's a lot of good athletes, but not every athlete is a twitchy athlete. And, and I I'll, think that. I'll, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to give you an example. Hunter Salas is twitchy. Twitchy my, athlete. Yeah, he, he, I, I've heard. Uh, well, it's my brother's son. My nephew plays on that team, and he will pump fake. Hunter will fall for it, and then come back down and go up and block his shot. That's twitchy, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he'll yeah. fall for the pump fake, jump. Go down and jump up again and block the shot. Kind of, it's kind of like uh, Trey McGowan's for the men's basketball team, right? Like not a huge guy, but he goes up to dunk and you kind of go, "Whoa, where did that come from?" You know, kind of, kind of the same thing. It's just an explosive type athlete, yeah. Yeah, it's and 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 suddenness is obviously part of it too. You know, you just yeah the, the stop start. It was interesting that Nebraska did this sort of um, interesting thing today on, on the school website where they had guys that are currently on the team do a quick sort of one minute breakdown of, of the film of the signees who play their positions. So for example, Jack Stoll uh, talked about each of the three tight end commits and Wando Robinson talked about the receivers 
And I think one of the taglines was uh, for the, the, the program this year, it was something about tradition, you know, tradition only, um, you know, lasts by continuing it or something like that. So I'm guessing that that was sort of in line with that, why they had the, the current players do it. But anyways, Jack Stoll was talking about James Carney, the tight end from Norris. And he said, one of the things he brought up was, he said, even as a high school kid, he looks really natural and really fast in and out of his breaks at the top of his routes. And that's twitchiness, right? I mean, twitchiness is you can understand exactly what your route is and you can run it and you can run it fast. But if you can't get in and out of the break at an elite level, you're not going to get open. Not, not in the big 10, you know, you're not just, you just because you're fast doesn't mean you're going to separate from somebody. And so you know, that's what, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the difference between sort of blocking somebody and pancaking somebody. Or, you know, who's, you know, who's twitchy Luke Ryan, Luke Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it. He gets places faster than guys. Boom. He's there. Right. Sudden. Yep. He's very sudden. Yeah. There you go. I think we just broke down every athlete in the class. Good job guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what, before we move on, Kobe Bretts is sort of fits oh. the definition of that. Oh. He, he's a guy who, you know, when he got offered, like, what, okay, so there was a stretch in the late summer and in the fall when Kobe Bretts and then eventually, well, Harburg first and then, and then Bretts and then James Carney got offered. And it had this feel to it a little bit of like, Pandemic's going on. We don't know how many guys we're going to be able to get from a long way away. Let's offer a couple of extra in-state guys, you know, but it really, as a, I mean, and then you watched him play his senior year and holy cow. I mean, he got, I saw him at the beginning of the year and then I saw him at the end of the year and I couldn't believe how much better he looked. I saw him like two days after he committed, I think was the season opener against Creighton prep. And then I saw him play in the state championship against Elkhorn South. And I couldn't believe how much better he was two months later. I mean, it, it was, it's pretty impressive. And the same goes for Carney. I mean, you saw him work out in July and he just, just jumped out at you. Like, how is this guy not a, a power five recruit at that point? And then he turned into one. I mean, you know, Iowa offered him and, and a bunch of schools offered him and Nebraska eventually did. And then Sean Becton in a tweet today called him the fastest tight end prospect in the Midwest. So um, is that right? know, it worked, yeah, it worked out um, that there's some, but there's some some high level athletes uh, in the region and and even obviously within the state in this class. Brett, you saw him so Parker, you saw him and you kind of put a bug in my ear about him. What I saw on videos, he just comes down. Hard. I mean, he really attacks. I mean, that's an attacking safety. So the first two plays of the state championship game, um, yeah, Elkhorn South started the the Class A state championship game on offense. And they threw the same pass twice on first down and second down on the first drives. And it was to just like a little hook, you know, to the flat. And uh, Kobe Bretts knocked the guy down and knocked the ball out once and then did it again the next play. And then it was third and 10. And then as it happens, he got beat on an over route for a first down on third and 10. But uh, he made a ton of big plays, had a long catch on the sideline. Um, and like you say, he's a physical player and Ross was really, I mean, you wrote this simple. He wasn't, I mean, he, they obviously like all the guys, it's not like he's going to not say nice things about players, but he, he was pretty dialed back today talking mm-hmm. about these guys, but he was really effusive uh, talking about Kobe Bretts 
Yeah, he was. He mentioned him first, uh, the Nebraska kids, right? Yeah, and he said, uh, you know, we didn't recruit him for a while, which that was um, – Kobe's been pretty open about this. It took him a long time to get his academics in a place where he could be recruited at this level. But um, he said, you know, by the end of his senior year, we thought he was one of the best safeties we evaluated this year, period. So, um, you know, they feel pretty good about him, obviously. Yeah, he was a diver. Who was the guy – hey, Baz, you'll know this. Who was the – who had the album called Ark of a Diver? Oh God! Um, was that was that Steve Winwood? Was it Steve Winwood? I think it was. I think yeah, it was Steve I don't, Winwood. I don't, yeah. All right. What else we got? <laughs> now that we got a Steve Winwood reference out yeah. of the way. Yeah. Well, should we should we move on and talk about? We've talked about the future. Should we should we talk about the present a little bit? Yeah. Um, Nebraska's got a football game Friday at Rutgers uh, for for Champions Week, quote unquote, matching a two and five <laughs> team and a three and five team on Champions Week. Uh, in the cold, in the cold barrenness of New Jersey, um, and <laughs> who knows what comes after that? And we'll make this our hot topic, you know, this week. Regardless of what happens, well, and maybe regardless, maybe including what happens Friday, if Nebraska gets past this game, there's a potential to play in a bowl game later on. Should Nebraska take that opportunity and, and try and play in a bowl game at the end of this season, Parker? Yeah, I yes, I think so. Um, and I don't I'm not going to take a super hard line on this, but I, I think, yes, I mean, the the part of the issue as the coaches and, and, and Bill Moose, everyone from Bill Moose to Scott Frost, assistants, players. I mean, one of the things they've said is that they they fell behind um, because they didn't make a bowl game last year. And um, then spring ball got canceled for everybody, pretty much. Um, and so. I think any day you can practice is good. Now, are you going to get as much out of one extra week in December as you would from, you know, a, a fresh week in April? I, I don't know. And obviously it's not a, it's not a, an ideal situation. Um, it's not like a normal bowl year where you get 15 practices. I mean, if they play again after the 19th, it might be one more week um, that they, that the season lasts. I still think, and, and, and Frost today, indicated that he wasn't quite sure where his team would be in terms of whether they would want to play that game or not. I tend to think that a good number of the guys would want to play. Um, and it would be interesting to see sort of how the seniors fall into that. But yeah, I, I think that it, if you had the opportunity to go somewhere, you know, whether it was Arizona or Charlotte or somewhere else uh, to play once more this year, uh, I would, I would think that it would, be in good form um, to, to rally the troops and do it and, and get one more opportunity to go play together. Yeah. I think, yeah. Go ahead, Baz. Go ahead. No, I was going to, I was going to say, I, I, I tend to agree with Parker and, and especially when you're a team that has said all year that we just want to play football, we just want to play, we want to play. Well, how does that look? Then if you get to the end of the year and you don't want to play anymore when you have the opportunity to play. So there's a, there's certainly the component of, the extra practices, the, the travel to, like you said, Charlotte or Arizona or whatever, the benefit you get from that. But isn't there a benefit too? And when your coach is saying, all we want to do is play, all we want to do is play, we want to play. And then you get to the end of the year and your coach says, ah, I don't know if we want to play anymore, you know, and, and maybe the players make that decision for him. And maybe the players don't want to play, but, you know, kind of to your point, Parker, the, the players have kind of fallen in line behind the coach and said they want to play and they want to keep playing and haven't haven't lost the enthusiasm. Now, is it 
is it a lot of fun right now? Maybe not because they've been here a long time, you know, coming back in, in March and April and May and not being able to go home and, and doing those things. And now you're beat up and you're tired and you're sore and it's cold and everything else. So maybe they'll just say, you know what, we do need a break and we do need to get out of here. But I, I think if you're in Nebraska, like you said, Parker, any opportunity to get to play, you got to play. You need to develop, even if it's just another week of practices and then a game. You need that that extra time to get some young guys some reps and practices in. And you need to do it because you've said all year that that's what you want to do is play football. I don't know how much of a role that will end up ultimately playing in the in the decision, but I think it might play some just because Nebraska has been one of those teams that, that, like I said, has been wanting to play all year. I wonder, I wonder what I wonder is how they go about figuring out who wants to play and who doesn't. It may be as simple as putting it to a vote. Um, maybe you have your guys vote after the Rutgers game. Um, and I would be interested to see what that vote is. Um, or Frost just tries to gauge the vibe of his team. I don't know. I think he put it to a vote. And I don't know how that vote would go. But if, you know, if there's a lot of guys who don't want to play, I don't think you do it. Right. Um, I understand it to a point. Um, listen, f- the thing I'd say, the last thing I'd say on it is football, it isn't necessarily all that fun. I mean, I think the, the, the fun in football is the reward. Um, it's the, it's the, it's, it's sticking together and getting stuff done and having success. If you're not having success, it's not all that fun um, yeah. because of what you said. But now here's the other thing too. One other thing is look at what they're taking to Rutgers. They're taking three, two redshirt freshmen on the offensive line, a true freshman and a sophomore. Uh, they're they're pretty young up front on defense. At least they have two very, I'd say, three very good hand in the dirt type players in Ty Robinson and uh, and Casey Rogers. And I'd even throw Garrett Nelson in that conversation. Get those young guys, get those young guys time, game experience, because that is where it's got to start is in the interior, in the trenches. So that I think the offensive line and the, to to a large extent, and the defensive line to a certain extent. To me, it drives the conversation a little bit. I want to see – I think if you're Frost, you want to see those young linemen get game experience. Yeah, I I think – yeah, I agree with you. Now, I mean, the one – the only counterpoint I would make to this is that the guys have been around for a long time. And Frost talked today about how they're not the only ones out there that are tired. I mean, they've been on campus. And so if it's – I mean, I don't know – I don't know what anybody's – family situation looks like for Christmas this year, but it would, it is probably the difference between getting, getting those kids home for, you know, an extra week or something like that. And so that's obviously something you've got to weigh, you know, the mental health of your kids matters a lot always. And especially uh, as this thing winds down. So if your heart's not in it, it does you no good um, to go play in a bowl game. That's not really going to be like any other bowl experience. You don't get to give the veteran guys two weeks off and let the young bucks play in practice. You don't get to go like hang out somewhere cool and go do a bunch of stuff associated with the bowl game. Like none of that's is part of the deal this year. So in that regard, like, is it as imperative? Is it as imperative to play a bowl game this year on December 26th as it would be to make a bowl game in a normal year? No, it's not. It's not. So there's only a certain point that, at which it's worth it to do this. But if the guys want to play, then go play, you know, find a way to go. Yeah. Play. Christmas might sort of suck too, though. 
It's not going to be yeah. a normal Christmas right. season. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, you guys want to you want to do some? We haven't really talked about the Rutgers game. Maybe want to do you want to do some predictions on them here? Yeah, sure. quick. You go first, Baz. You've scouted out Rutgers. I scouted them out. I got the scout is done. Look, I don't it? trust them. It's done. Yeah, I completed it just before we started the uh, podcast here. So Good. I'm grinding. Um, you are. I'm a grinder. Uh, but, you know, I don't trust Clearly. Nebraska. I don't. Like, what reason do I have to think they're going to win this game? Uh, you know, I just – every time you think they might turn a corner, they, they play like they did against Illinois or they play like they did against Minnesota. And, and it's, it's almost like one step forward and then a, a step or two steps back. Oh, no, he froze right as he was getting to the good part. You're back. You froze right as you were getting to the good part. Oh, I'm back. Okay. Yeah, you know, I I guess um, until I can trust them, I don't know why I should pick them. You know, so I'll take take Rutgers 24, Nebraska 21. What do you like about Rutgers, Baz, based on your scout? I just like – and even listening to Greg Schiano today a little bit, talk about his team. I like how active they are up front on the defensive line, going against a really young offensive line, like you just said. You know, I think they're really creative on offense. Um, they do some things that just make it difficult for you. Now, they have had trouble holding leads in the second half, and, and that's maybe something that plays in Nebraska's favor. They had Michigan down double digits at halftime. They had a lead in the fourth quarter against Illinois. You know, they had a lead in the fourth quarter against Maryland and had to rally to win that game. So they, they'll, they'll let teams back in. And, and But I think they're active enough up front on that defense to give Nebraska problems. And with the way Nebraska's played on offense, it doesn't take a whole lot to really disrupt what they're trying to do. So if, if Rutgers is able to cause trouble up there, that could be that could be a long day for Nebraska. And also, Rutgers is really good on special teams. Um, tenth in the country, net punting, uh, top 30 team kickoff returns, top 30 team punt returns. They're, gonna, they're probably going to win the field position battle. And, and if it's bad conditions and, and Nebraska's constantly, like they always seem to do, having to play on a long field and the defense is having to defend a short field, it's just another day where it's, they're behind the eight ball the whole day. So there's a, there's a lot of things there that I think Rutgers does well that can really hurt Nebraska in areas of weakness, and that's, that's just kind of widely in their direction. That one guy that Nebraska fans will, will recognize as a return man is Aaron Crookshank. Yeah. Um, Aaron Crookshank took one to the house um, for Wisconsin last year, now playing at Rutgers. And he's a good mm-hmm. one. He's a good receiver for them, and he's their return man, right? Yes. Yeah, he Parker, is. Parker, your prediction. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm right in line with Baz, uh, actually almost identically. Um, I don't – Nebraska had – I thought that Nebraska had the requisite um, – stuff on offense to control that game last week against Minnesota and the confounding thing was not only that they didn't but it was almost like they it's like at times you just wondered if they were even trying to if they were even trying to control the clock or wrestle control of the game I mean that they were in bad field position the whole game um they they got dominated in time of possession and on top of that then they turned the ball over twice uh and gave Minnesota I mean Minnesota scored on three drives of less, less than 40 yards. Uh, and then the long field goal drive that, that was extended by penalties. So in a game that feels like a, a ball control game, um, a young offensive line against a veteran front, like Baz said, um, I think turnovers probably make the difference. I, I, I think both teams might force them, but um, they've really hurt Nebraska's offense um, this year. Nebraska's minus eight 
in the turnover department for the year. I picked uh, Rutgers 24 to 20. Oh, so Baz, Baz, you were 24, 21. Yep. Parker's 24 to 20. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be tough weather. I, I mean, are we all picking Rutgers? It's, and here's the thing, Rutgers, it's not like, I don't want to, I'm not going to disparage Rutgers like you would normally, like you might normally. I watched the entire Michigan game and that included overtimes. And I was struck by how for, I mean, not, I mean, listen, I'm not going to overdo it, but I was struck by how much better Rutgers looked than they the play typical hard. Rutgers. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. do. And, and you, like you said, and you emphasized, they are active up front. Um, they're going to cause Nebraska problems. I can't pick Nebraska either. I, I don't, I, I think it will be a close game and I, I'm going to go a little lower scoring. I think I'm going to say 21 Rutgers, 14, Nebraska. 24 and then the 44 total that I picked and 45 that Baz picked. Yeah. Well, there you go. We all pick Rutgers. Huh. Should be a fun, should be a fun game. A little six yeah. o'clock night banger in Piscataway, New Jersey, when it's about three degrees out. No offense. A lot of turnovers. A lot of punting. <laughs> the information that we got from Rutgers people, like the, the PR people there, uh, that some of the language looked like it was left over from 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 their normal operations, but it said that the space in the press box is limited. And that if you were going to be asked to sit in the auxiliary press area, which is outside, oh god, you'd get, uh, you'd get the information with plenty of time to prepare. And I was just imagining what would happen if that happened to us there. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine what would happen, Parker. I'd say let's go back to the hotel and watch this on TV. That's what I yeah. imagine happening. Have this with a watch this game with a margarita in hand. Yeah, oh, yeah, or a couple. Yeah. I'll be watching that game with a margarita in hand. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and your short pants too, right? My short pants. I have my short pants on. Yeah, Hawaiian shirt. Uh, <laughs> should we talk a little hoops and get out of here? Uh, I really like to. Yeah. <laughs> Would you? Yes. All right, yes, Baz. Baz, how good is the Big Ten? Start there. What's Nebraska Jesus. up against? What's the the big trains coming here pretty quick? Jiminy the Christmas. The train. The train is coming down the tracks, and Jiminy <laughs> Christmas is right. Um. <laughs> It's a bear, bro. It's a bear. Um, every every night's going to be hard. Name name a bad team in the Big Ten right now. Uh, Can't do it. Uh, you know. Uh, I mean, Nebraska might finish 14th. Going to be significantly improved over last year. That, that's just the, that's just the reality of it. Uh, Iowa's playing unbelievable basketball. Illinois has been outstanding. Michigan State is Michigan State. Wisconsin's got so much experience. Indiana is a great defensive team. Rutgers is tougher than hell and has a chance to win the league. You know, Jeez, they're just – I mean, it's, it, we've talked about this about every week. Penn State has gone on the road and beaten a top 15 team by 20. You know, there's – every night it's going to be hard. Every night. And, look, that's what Nebraska's facing right now. Um, they got some good news today in that freshman big man, Eduardo Andre, is back. He's, he's completed the COVID-19 protocol. But it's still going to take him time to get into shape. You know, he, he only practiced for the first time yesterday uh, coming off that. Uh, Derek Walker's suspension has been shortened to 11 games. Um, so he'll miss the first, I believe it's four Big Ten games um, before he can come back. And that those things will help. And and they'll they'll need those guys because it's it's just such a, a hard league. And that was part two of, of why they wanted to schedule this game against Doan tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Uh, BTM Plus was so you could get a guy like, Eduardo Andre onto the floor for a little bit and get his feet wet a little bit and, and just have a game against another opponent 
between, you know, a really disappointing loss at Creighton and then having to make a really tough road trip up to Wisconsin on Tuesday. So, look, Nebraska is going to win tomorrow. I don't think anybody's questioning that. We may not be able to learn a whole lot from it, but it's a game Nebraska needed to play just because they need to get on the court and and work on some things that they really got exposed against uh, playing against Creighton. Good rundown. Good rundown. So they start at Wisconsin, at Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. Home against Michigan on Christmas Day are your first two Big Ten games. That'd be undefeated Michigan. Undefeated Michigan. Undefeated Michigan, yeah. Uh, Ohio State's in that opening stretch. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it's – That's okay. That's good. Yeah, you know, it's just brutal out of the gate. And, and again, there's no breaks anywhere. Um, They they only play Iowa once. It's at Iowa. Uh, I believe they play Illinois once. I'm not sure about that. They only play Northwestern once. Um, So the teams that – you know, that I think they only played Penn State once. So the, th- the teams that you would think would be at the bottom of the league, they're only seeing them once instead of twice. So the, the schedule, when you get there, it, it's not going to be pretty. So we'll see what it looks like. They're going to look, they're going to rise up and beat some teams they probably shouldn't beat. But it's going to be a slog for them when they get into Big Ten play. And if they play like they did against Creighton, it could be a really long year. Super, yeah. Fred, uh, go ahead, Parker. Go ahead. One point on the Big Ten. Super early, obviously, but right now in uh, the Ken Palm rankings for player of the year, national player of the year. Luca Garza from Iowa, number one. Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, number two. Ao DeSunmu from Illinois, number four. And Ron Harper Jr. from Rutgers, number nine. Who's yeah. number two? Say that name again, please. Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, big man. Okay, Trace Jackson. Forward. Yeah. Four of the top nine players yes. in the country. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just – it's great teams and it's great players. And – Look, we, Creighton's pretty good. We saw that the other night, what they did to Nebraska. Now now imagine you're facing something similar to that every night and, and maybe even more physical. So, yeah. it's just, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really hard. Uh, you know, again, Nebraska's better. What does that mean? We'll see. But it's it's going to be a barrier when they get into conference play. That's for sure. Well, that's I mean, a big 10, man. It's it's I, I, it's not a hoops league, but it's God dang. It's a league, though. It's just a battle every night. Yeah, you're just going to get beat up. Yeah, you you forget about a team like Purdue. Now, oddly enough, just because of life circumstance, I've watched two full Purdue games. You forget about it, but they're pretty good. I mean, they got got maybe the best coach in the conference. Yeah, and they got got a seven-foot-four guy, too, that's good. Yeah, freshman. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're – and they're just all – it's – that's every – you can say that about every team, you know, except maybe Northwestern. And they got their entire roster back from last year. So – it's just, yeah, it's, it's every night it's going to be like. It'll be fascinating to watch. I think Nebraska's going to get better as the year goes on. But can they hold it together as a team when it's going tough? Because it's going to go tough, uh, you know, from time to time. They're going to have losing streaks. And if they can hold it together, they've got some skill to, to play with some teams and beat some teams. But, man, it's going to be tough to do that night in, night out once they get going. Yeah, you might have to employ the psychologists. I think they got three of them in the athletic department. You might need all three. They're going to need all three, and they're going to need a couple extra ice baths, too, by the end of the year. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Hey, guys. Sounds like us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Psychologists and ice baths. That's all I need (laughs) in my life. Um, (laughs) I want to thank Tom Dinsdale Hyundai. I don't think they have any psychologists or ice baths at Tom Dinsdale Hyundai, but they can hook you up with a sweet new ride. Uh, So we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll see how things go. A fun way to end this. We'll see how things go Friday at Rutgers, and then we'll see how things go with the basketball team uh, starting next week. Maybe we'll have some more interesting stuff to talk about. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.